Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And that's it. That's all you get this week. Oh, I wonder if my mic is picking up these dog barks. I cannot hear it. Okay. I have... There's there's a corgi in my house who is not usually in my house. Maggie, Aww. she's delightful. Uh, but she is... Uh, I think housemates are eating dinner, so I think she wants some people food. And she's going to get some because she's spoiled. But uh, she's wonderful. Corgis are wonderful dogs. And uh, I always like when she comes to visit. Oh, she thinks she's people. I, I think she I think she's thinks she's more than people. I think she thinks she's royalty and that people are her servants is where I think that dog's mindsets are. But none of that has to do with our podcast today. Uh, <laughs> um, we are. Uh, I guess I guess we're finished with the Brothers War story. Um, so good. It's so good. Oh, it's. Uh, Miguel Lopez, who is the creative lead for the set, and Watsi wrote the kind of flashback stories uh, set during the Brothers War era, and technically a couple of them shortly after. We'll talk about those another day. And uh, Reinhardt Suarez wrote the present day stories with our hero planeswalkers and whatnot, and their time traveling quest to learn how to operate the Silex. Um, God, all the stories are so good. They're up on the mothership to read right now. Um, so what? How do I introduce this episode? Uh, the stories set in the past aren't necessarily about any of the events that actually happen in the novel The Brothers War. One of them does actually take enough pieces from the novel that Jeff Grubb got credited as an author on it. But uh, for the most part, it's it's new stories uh, that are set during the war involving regular people who are serving in the armies or maybe leading the armies or piloting giant mechs. Um, while cool robot stuff, except actually war is bad, by the way. Uh, the stories are all great. Cannot recommend them highly enough. I, I think it's great that uh, Miguel got to write them. Um, folks in the uh, tabletop gaming space might know him as uh, one of the designers on Lancer, a TTRPG about uh, mech pilot. It's a tactical focused RPG about mechs. Uh, it's very sweet. Um, so, so having him uh, writing some of these stories is like right in <laughs> this genre uh, that he's already done uh, a bunch of work in. So, so that was fun. Um, so we we talked about the events of the novel, however. The novel mostly focuses on Urza and Mishra and then Ashnod and Thanos um, and a few other folks in between. And uh, yeah, last time we uh, talked about magic because we had a Warhammer episode in there. Thanks again to Ethan. Uh, last time we talked about magic, we talked about the story of the Brothers War here are the plot beats and the things that happen. And today we wanted to focus more on the characters. Who are the people involved in this event? A bunch of these characters have already been previewed with cards. Um, and so uh, while, while the stories published on the website don't deal with the story of the novel, the set is largely the story from the novel with some other things thrown in. Uh, and and so you're going to see um, a lot of names uh, of characters who many of which have not even had cards before, 
uh, or if they had old cards, have new cards uh, from the novel. And so we wanted to talk about those today. This also saves us time on our Flavor Gems episode in a couple weeks. That's a surprise tool that'll help us later. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, no, see, it's all it's all planned. We are we are very clever here on the Vorthos cast and good at scheduling sometimes. So with that, I think we're just going to go into it. Uh, the Brothers War starts with Urza and Mitra as young boys. They're like 10-ish, uh, getting sent off to summer camp, basically, uh, because their biological parent is going through a messy divorce and their step-parent is trying to disinherit them and steal a bunch of family wealth and blah, 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 blah. And so for their safety, they're... Uh, shoved off to archaeology camp, camp with uh, Tokasia, who's a um, archaeologist, uh, archaeologist and teacher, and runs this archaeology camp in the Great Desert for children, um, because that's where you want children is doing manual labor under the hot sun, uh, digging up extremely powerful and heavy machines. It builds character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, and some of these it. people. <laughs> <laughs> it it sure builds something. Uh um Urza, Urza and Mishra are from uh oh kind of well to do um aristocratic family. So they're it's like rich kids summer camp for smart kids or kids who whose parents want to get rid of them. And Urza and Mishra are in this precarious situation. They are, they are both smart kids, but um, yeah, so they're they're in the desert. And so so Dekasia is um, she's an older archaeologist. Um, she uh, like I said, she runs this camp. Uh, her camp is mostly made up of um, kind of a mix of uh, peoples from all over Tercier, the continent that this whole story takes place on. Um, there are Argivian scholars on her team um, from uh, the east, where Urza and Mishra are from. Uh, there are also a whole bunch of Falaji laborers who, uh, you know, do a lot of the, the digging work. Um, the Falaji are a loose confederation of desert tribes uh, from the west in the Great Desert. Hey, what a surprise. These are the two main groups that will make up, like, the war later. Haha, surprise. And so Takeji is very kind. Um, she's an excellent teacher. She likes to foster curiosity. Um, you know, one of the other students in this group is Lauren, who uh, we'll talk about a bit later. Um, she uh, grows up and goes on to be another major character in the story. Um, Lauren is very smart. She does not speak for the trees, though. Not to be confused with the Lorax. <laughs> yeah, that's the Lorax. Uh, that that's the Lorax, or in this specific story, Titania. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Urza and Mishra are are in her crew, and uh, Takesia recognizes that they're both brilliant boys who are a little rough around the edges. Urza is wicked smart, as they'd say. That was a terrible Boston accent. I'm sorry <laughs> for Matt Damon's going to come and probably euthanize me for that. That there are worse ways to go. <laughs> I'm sorry, Academy Award-winning screenwriter, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> anyway, Takesia. Uh, 
you know, she she's like, hey, Urza, you're really smart and you read lots of books and you know a lot of facts and you're really good at fixing machines. But damn, are you bad at socializing? And she goes over to Mishra and it's like, hey, buddy, you are very charismatic. You also are like kind of rambunctious and you could use like a little more focus and work ethic. Uh, you know, you, you kids like, you know, you should shape up a little bit. Um, but she's very close with both of them. Um, they're they're kind of her most promising students. Uh, and that that's why she's around them. Uh, when they find Galatian's Power Stone, it breaks in half. This is the Might Stone and the Weak Stone. They get into a big magical fight with them, kind of shooting lasers at each other and cause this big explosion in the caves of Koilos uh, and killing Takasia. And so so her work is uncovering Thran ruins uh, in uh, what is the ruins of their capital city, Halcyon, uh, in the middle of the desert. Uh, so she has this tragic end and... Uh, Mishra goes running off into the desert. Urza ends up going back home. Um, and that's kind of the first fracture between the brothers. And, uh, her, her tragedy is kind of the, the first sign that, hey, these brothers aren't just doing a sibling quibble. That there is like serious problems arising between them. Uh, so throughout the story, uh, we have two main factions, the Urzans and the Mishrans. Uh, Urza and Mitra kind of work their way up their respective uh, people's ranks. Uh, Mitra essentially replaces the Kadir of the Falaji. Um, Urza ends up marrying into the uh, royal family of Yosha. Uh, and once the alliance forms, you know, he has a lot of support from Argive anyway. Uh, and they rope, um, like, the Sardian dwarves, and, um, ah, Corliss, of the Corlissians, uh, into this alliance, um, while, uh, Mitra kind of unites the Falaji tribes, uh, and, uh, so there, there are, there are two sides of the war. Urza, uh, you folks probably know a lot about already, we talk a hell of a lot about him, uh, in this time, he comes to Krug, the capital city of Yodia. Um, he apprentices for a clockmaker um, and gains a lot of practical experience tinkering with artifacts. Um, and at the time, the warlord of Krug is looking to marry off his daughter. Um, and he's like... I need her husband to be the manliest man, the most absolute beefcake, toxically masculine dude I've ever seen. And so you can't marry my daughter unless you can move this big giant stone. Uh, and all the strong, buff, toxic guys fail. And so it, the toxic dweeby guy, Urza, is the one who succeeds because he builds an automaton. Uh, that is able to move the stone. He's like, ha ha, I have solved your riddle, warlord. Uh, and he marries Caleb and Krug. Not for love. He learns that part of uh, 
the dowry that he would receive in this marriage is this book called the Jalem Tome. Uh, this is a Thran tome filled with all kinds of designs of artifice and Thran secrets. And he's like, there's so much good artifice data in there. I really, really want my hands on this. So I guess I'll marry this lady. Um, Cause there's, it's a bad person. And <laughs> oh man, the, God, we're going to talk about Kayla next. The The book is not very kind to her, IMO. Um, so Urza goes on. Uh, there's the Falaji and the uh, and uh, Yodia. Uh, God, I said it like Jay. I'm ugh, Yosha. And they have this big conflict. And then there are these peace talks. And the peace talks go bad because Urza's built a whole bunch of ornithopters for the warlord who uses them to bomb things. And this whole war starts. Uh, and because as the war goes, Urza climbs up his, the ranks of his society. And he's, it, it's basically him versus his brother building more and more and more deadly and impressive machines. Um until they both find out about the uh, the rich resources on Argoth, go there, fight each other, and Urza detonates the Silex, um, kills his brother, wipes out the Phyrexian threat, uh, changes the multiverse forever, creates a rift in time, starts a 3,000-year ice age, and boy, does he have regrets. Uh, I saw a lot of comments about the end of the past stories, uh, which involves this moment a bit with him and Teferi. Um, and people are like, wow, I actually feel bad for Urza. Yeah, the end of the, the Brothers War novel is not, not good for him. Uh, he's like, damn, I, I really messed up here. Um, and he's like pretty humbled, actually, for a moment. Um, in some respects, at least. Uh, and that all goes away by the time we see him again in uh, the Planeswalker novel, but... Um, yeah, he, he maintains his detachedness and love for making machines more than talking to people kind of throughout his life. Alas, Acacia, you should have worked harder. <laughs> it's not her fault. They're bad boys. <laughs> it's not. It, it's not. It, it's <sighs> sometimes just gotta know when to fold them. That makes it sound like she should have taken them out to the desert and left them there to die. I'm, you know, maybe, though. I mean, <laughs> Argoth would still be a thing, right? If, if that had happened, so... Who knows? Anyway, uh, Caleb Bing Krug doesn't do a whole lot in the book. Um, she's kind of like... I don't know, I just... The whole thing where she sleeps with Mishra is not cool. The book is just like really she she's very much an object of desire and a prize to be won in in the book. Uh she got some really excellent characterization though in uh the set story. The so first two stories in the past are set uh directly after the uh well not directly after after the end of the war and and she's part of the she becomes part of the reconstruction effort. Um, before eventually, you know, Penragon, the capital of Argive, uh, succumbs to a horrific winter as the Ice Age sets in and she travels across um, the continent back to the ruins of Krug and then stays in like a refugee city 
with like a bunch of the survivors of the war uh chasing um chasing rumors that her son might still be alive um her son is harbin uh her and uh urza's boy um although technically his parentage like his genetic parentage is contested he could be urza or mishra's son uh but he was raised by kayla and urza and urza treated him like a son and he considered urza his father he's urza's son um uh kayla raises him and uh that's that's most of what she does is uh, she she exists for a little bit in Urza's uh, younger younger uh, younger days and and it's just bad it's bad got her card is sweet though uh, she's getting a card finally she's one of the uncarded characters um then we have Tanos who is Urza's apprentice both both Urza and Mishra have an apprentice that become major characters. Uh, Thanos was a toy maker. Um, he was greatly inspired by nature. Most of the toys he made were like animals and they had like really intricate pieces and they were often made out of clay. Uh, and he could make like snakes that coiled up and leapt at people, birds that flew through the air and so on and so forth. Um, absolute genius. Uh, and Urza recognized his talent in his youth and kind of took on Thanos as an apprentice. And uh, Thanos looked at Urza and was like, whoa, this guy knows so much. I can learn so much about artifice from him. Um, and Urza is like, hey, this Thanos guy is like one of the few competent people I've ever met. Uh, he could make some very good designs for me, probably. Um, and Thanos spends a lot of the war uh, slowly slipping into more of an Urza mindset. Uh, he stops making toys and starts making war machines. Uh, his little clay creatures become hulking clay automata that march into battle and slaughter the Falaji forces. Um, he loses so much of his humanity he becomes haggard and great and skeleton like by the end uh not like literal skeleton he's just he's a shell of a man by the end of the brothers war um he uh at one point gets captured and has this he has this like ongoing kind of respect with ashnod um where they're like if it wasn't for the Brothers War, Ashnod and Thanos would probably be good friends. But they're on the opposite sides of the Brothers War, so they have this mutual respect that uh, becomes a connection that ends the war. Thanos is the one who gives the Silex to Urza after being uh, given it by Ashnod. Um, and uh, we learn that uh, together after the war, they actually do become friends and open a school for magic and artifice together, which is neat. Um, Thanos uh, also uh, invented, he survives, he's, a, he and Urza are like the only, and I guess Captain Crucius uh, becomes Bolivar, are like the only three people to survive the Silex Blast. Uh, Urza and Crucius because their sparks ignite, and um, Thanos survives because he builds, he built uh, what is supposed to be like a device to imprison Mishra and bring him back to uh the mainland it's essentially a uh, one person stasis chamber uh the card is taunus's coffin uh 
when the Silex blast is going off, uh, turns out he got in there himself to protect himself. And our Urza shows up five years later and wakes him up out of stasis because uh, he's washed ashore uh, on the mainland. And uh, yeah, he has a bad time. As most do when they're involved in war. Everyone in this story has a bad time. <laughs> it's it's really good. I We've only just started previews. It is grim. Uh, yeah. Especially for Harbin, who's our next character, Urza's son. Uh, Harbin is born early in the war. Um, and the war lasts like 40 years. So, uh, Harbin eventually grows up and, uh, he, you know, he doesn't become an artificer like his dad, but he does become a pilot. He becomes an ornithopter pilot. Uh, he's actually the one who discovers Argoth. Uh, after most of the resources on the mainland in Tercier have been uh, mined and stripped out of the earth, uh, he accidentally uh, crosses um, a uh, sea. The, the Shielded Sea, I think, is the, the local water system around Argoth. I believe that's what it's called. The Shielded Seas. I don't remember. Um, he ends up on Argoth. He is found by an elf named Gwenna. Um, who is like, hey, you shouldn't be here. We don't like mainlanders, but also it feels wrong to kill you. So just go home. And he does and reports back to his father about all the resources there. Word eventually passes on to the Mishrans. And uh, yeah, it's very bad. Harbin dies in the war. Um, he is mourned way more by Kayla than by Urza. Uh, obviously, because Urza's not a good person. Urza's just a bad... He's the worst person. He might be the worst person in the story. Mitra does have... We'll get to Mitra in a sec. Mitra has a very good excuse for being a very bad person. Uh, mostly that he is corrupted by someone else. But, um... Yeah, Harbin, uh... Harbin's other big thing is he has a son, Jarsil. Um, so, uh, Kayla and Urza have a grandson... Uh, Jarsil shows up in this set story uh, a little bit. Um, he does end up going and studying artifice and magic uh, under Tanos uh, and to, uh, not Takesia, uh, Ashnab. Uh, and Jarsil's big thing is that he crosses through the portal to Phyrexia. He has a diary um, that uh, you know details his observations on the metal plane. Uh, this happens in the years following the Brothers' War, before um, the portal is sealed and Dominaria is cut off by the Shard of the Twelve Worlds. So, uh, congrats, Harbin. Your son did some cool stuff. And then eventually had enough kids that Jodo was born. But uh, poor Harbin is, is basically where he exists as a character. He acts... He's trying to do good things. He's trying to make his dad proud. He's trying to end this war. Uh, and he accidentally dooms Argoth and is then killed for his actions in all of this war. And now, that makes it sound like he was specifically targeted and murdered or something. He, he's just a casualty of war in, in this situation. Um, it's not great. Uh, then there are the Mishrans. The, the big important ones are uh, Mishra. Obviously. Um, raise your hand if you could have guessed that Mishra was an important member of the Mishra inside of the war. Uh, I am not Dixit. raising my hand. 
like I said, uh, Mishra is very charismatic. Um, during the uh, during uh, Takesia's studies, uh, he befriends a Falaji worker named uh, Hajar, um, and uh, when when they accidentally kill Takesia, Mishra gets you know Urza blames Mishra, and uh, Mishra runs away into the desert. He is eventually found uh, by a Falaji tribe um, and uh, grows up as a slave working in their excavation camps. Um, the Falaji do a whole bunch of uh, power stone excavations. Um, oh, they're called like the Eyes of the Ancient Ones or something. Um so they had their own artifice practices and, and stuff. And so um, not only is Mishra um, really good at artifice, uh, but he also still has the weak stone, um, which is the power to uh, not only uh, sap the energy out of things, but kind of uh, cow their wills so that they'll obey his command. And so uh, in his kind of uh, young adulthood, he is... Um, laboring and uh hajar at the time his friend uh turns out to be like one of the bodyguards and enforcers uh for this group that he's with and kind of like uh protects him from being executed a bunch of times um and so the the Falaji excavation teams find a dragon engine uh a phyrexian dragon engine and it comes to life and starts attacking them until uh Mishra holds up the weak stone and uh, seizes control of the dragon engine and essentially saves everyone in the camp. The, um, the I believe it's the son of the Kadir at this point. The Kadir is the leader kind of of the entire Falaji nation. Um, uh, pays a bunch of attention to Mishra and it's like, hey, you're, why are you working as a laborer in our uh, excavation camps, you are obviously a powerful sorcerer. And so he becomes a court sorcerer in the Falaji um, and, you know, endears himself to uh, the Kadir and his family uh, and his advisors uh, because he's an excellent artificer. He's very charismatic. People like Mishra. He gets along with people. Um, he gives great speeches. He gives people hope. He's just like a chill dude. He's a bro. That's a brother's war joke. Get it? Uh, <laughs> and he has a lot of resentment. He feels like he's gotten the short end of the stick. Everything always works out for Urza, and he's always the one that gets shat on. Uh, and so, you know, when these peace talks happen between um, the Falaji and uh, Yosha, Urza and Mishra almost become friendly brothers again, and Peace talks break down. The war starts. Mishra sacks Krug with an army of dragon engines. Um, and he is, he always feels like he is scraping the dust for anything, for anything to keep pace with his brother who just gets handed everything. He, and he points and looks and is like, hey, my brother literally got handed the royal, the royalty in, in Krug. I had to earn everything from the slave pits in the excavation camps all the way up to my station now. I have busted my ass. I deserve 
just as much as him, if not more. And so he gets really bitter about everything and very emotional about it. It's why he has the base red cards. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mishra's big problem, though, is that uh, Phyrexia is very interested in this war. The demon Praetor Gix has returned. Um, we'll cover Gix's backstory in a bit when we talk about him. Uh, but uh, Gix's followers, the Brotherhood of Gix, infiltrate uh, everywhere, but uh, most particularly uh, Mishra's camp. And so um, as the war goes, Mishra's uh, advisors become replaced with more and more Gixians. Uh, and over time, uh, we learn at the end of the war in the climactic battle, Mishra's not even really Mishra anymore. He has been completed. He is a Phyrexian. He is more machine than man. He fuses with a dragon engine, and then Urza nukes his face. Um, Boo, the Phyrexia. Boo. Uh, yeah, no, they they screw up his Mishra's life, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good. Um, and it's not great. And that's that's kind of how Mitra ends. Mitra essentially dies before the end of the war because he's taken over by Phyrexia. He serves Phyrexian whims. He's uh, claimed by Gix, as his card says. Um, he is Mitra no more. He is just a servant of the great machine. Um, and it's no wonder why Urza was like, hey, I hated my brother, but he was still my brother, and Phyrexia took him from me, and I'm going to destroy you, Yogmoth. And then he does that, and then he fails anyway. And then there's Ashnod, who is uh, Mishra's apprentice. She uh, girl bosses her way into being a really good artificer, and is less ethically minded than a lot of the other people, uh, you know, a lot of her colleagues. Uh, she, Mishra really respects her resourcefulness, uh, and her ingenuity. She's able to solve problems unlike everybody else because she has less barriers, um, blocking, you know, particular avenues. Uh, and when it comes to the war, the main one is that she's like, hey, there's all these dead bodies around here just rotting in the ground. Why would we bury them? That wastes so much time. We can, like, build them into machinery and turn them into soldiers for us. Uh, and for Mishra, who is, like, always, always, always scrambling to find resources, um, a big part of his side of the war is that he just doesn't have as much, and he has to make do with what he has. And Ashnod, very cleverly, is like, hey, we can take dead people, put little hats on them, and send them into battle. <laughs> the, the hats thing. Just like, yeah, Ashnall would have been a hit in, uh, in Infinity, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, and so she creates the Transmigrants. Uh, but they, they do... But the, okay, little hats is a little flippant. They are, um, <laughs> like... I think I think they're like power stone powered helmets essentially that cover up their faces um and uh so she she is kind of creating hybrid machine and zombie life hmm, that seems familiar uh and over the course of the war um 
Uh, like I said, she kind of has this burgeoning respect with Thanos as like the apprentices of the brothers. So they can kind of relate to be living in each brother's shadow. Um, but she gets really upset because more and more Gixians are infiltrating um, Mishra's uh, advisory and they're changing him. She can she can watch the brilliant and charismatic uh, inventor that she originally apprenticed under become corrupted and she becomes really disillusioned um, as the war goes on to the point where she hunts Loran down, uh, takes the Golgothian Silex from her after torturing her um, for the secrets of how to activate it. Uh, she creates a bunch of false Silexes so that Gix can't get his hands on them. Uh, and she passes off the real one to Tatos and says, hey, get this to Urza. It's the only way we're going to end this damn war. Um, and so, personally, I'm very proud because Ashnod is the real hero of the Brothers War and the person who's actually responsible for ending it because she is the one who, like, really recognized, hey, there, there are machinations at work here that are going to make this way, way, way worse. You didn't think it could get worse, but there's this guy, Gix, and he's going to seize both armies and conquer this entire world, and we can't let that happen. Uh, and so we praise Ashnod for that. She also has uh, a goth bob in the set, and I love her for it. Um, I, I like Ashnod a lot. She is a very complicated character. Yeah. Um, she also, what, my favorite little thing between her and Thanos, because uh, Thanos does get captured and uh, she release, she she does set him free um, while also torturing him a little bit because she has to make the torture look convincing uh, while she gets answers from him and like conveys information to him. Uh, she is the one who sets Thanos free and is like, hey, go back to Urza, tell him that, you know, the Gixians are infiltrating his courts and everything and and. She's probably the reason that Urza's side of the conflict also didn't get entirely corrupted by uh, Gix and the Phyrexians. But uh, uh, my favorite little interaction between her and Thanos is that she calls, uh, she she takes on uh, calling Thanos uh, Baby Doc following Mother Urza around um, because Thanos gets kind of starstruck with Urza uh, and is a little bit blinded to Urza's faults throughout a lot of the story and kind of just follows Urza around like a baby duckling. Uh, and it's very cute. It's very funny. I like it a lot. All right. During the course of the war, uh, there are a lot of people in Tarissier who are like, hey, this war sucks. Both these sides suck. Let's put an end to it in a way that doesn't require one of these brothers winning. And so a bunch of people get together and create what's called the Third Path. Uh, they're headquartered in Tarissia City in the far west of the, of the I almost said the plain, the continent of Tarissia. Um, and so the third path gets founded by artificers and wizards and philosophers and scholars from all over the continent. This is where we talk about Loran, who was part of Tukasia's, uh summer camp for metal diggers. Uh, Loran is brilliant. Uh, she is a well-adjusted normal person compared to Urza and Mishra. Um, she's a historian and artificer um, and ends up marrying a uh, another artificer named Felden. You might know him, especially if you play Commander, because yep. his card's ridiculous. The flavor text is so perfect. 
Hutchin, rather. Uh, so Lauren and Felden uh, get married. Uh, they're a couple. Um, Felden, one day uh, while he's excavating in the Ronam Glacier in the kind of northwestern parts of Tourisier, uh discovers this little bold thing called the Golgothian Silex, and it's really weird. And so he gives it to his wife, and she's like, I'm going to study this. So she, she is the one who figures out um, everything we end up learning about the Silex, how to activate it. Um, she has lots of talks with Hercule about uh, dumping magic into it. Memories of the land is the big phrase that um, gets paired with it. And so uh, eventually Mishra's forces uh, sack Teresia City. Most of the people in the Third Path die. The entire movement is wiped out. Lauren does escape. Uh, she and Felden both escape. Uh, so Lauren escapes with the Silex. Um, she's eventually hunted down by Ashnod. Um, who takes the Silex and tortures her to um, learn the secrets of how it's activated, what it does, everything about it, and passes on that information to Thanos, who passes it on to Urza. Um, and, uh, you know, once she has the information, she lets Lauren go, and Lauren goes back to uh, Felden. Um, after the war, Lauren has a whole bunch of health complications due to this, uh, and dies, uh, not like young, young, but like sooner than she should have. Um, Felden, God, you know, everything I said there about Felden pretty much sums up his, he finds the Silex and that's, that's kind of his big thing until after the war, uh, when, uh, Loren dies, um, he is distraught and, uh, there's a short story called Lauren's Smile that involves Felden uh, traveling around to, uh, you know, a bunch of mystics and philosophers and magic users and scholars and learning about the colors of magic. And it's kind of he, you know, he goes uh, to uh, white, blue, black, red and green magic and is like, hey, I would like to bring my wife back, please, before. Uh, and then this whole, this whole journey is kind of an emotional catharsis for his grief. And by the end, he realizes, hey, he can never have his wife back, but he's kind of made peace with that. Uh, and uh, it is generally regarded as one of the best pieces of magic fiction ever written. Um, and so if you if you care about Felden, definitely seek that out. I believe it's been posted on the Mothership at some point. Uh, who's next on our list? Hercule and Drafna. We'll talk about Drafna first, even though he's listed second, uh, because there's not a lot about, uh, not a lot of lore about him. Uh, Drafna is an artificer, um, and his wife, Hercule, is kind of the, at this time, um, people on Tarissier don't really know magic. Hercule is the, one of the leaders in rediscovering how magic works, though. Hey, if you think about a place, a memory of the land, you can draw energy from it and use that energy to do magic. She, like, literally figures out tapping into ley lines to draw mana and cast spells. Um, she and her husband found a magic school in Latnam, which uh, in present-day Dominari is one of the... Um, campuses for the Talarian Academy. So their kind of legacy has continued. Um, Drafna doesn't do a whole lot in the story. He's just an artificer who uh, you know, w works a bunch with the Third Path. Uh, Hercules' big claim to fame is that uh, when 
Ashnod arrives to destroy Teresia City. She sends the uh, dragon engines and Hercule casts this massive spell that just unmakes them from existence and everyone. Hercule's recall is is that spell and everyone's just like, holy shit, that's magic? How come we haven't been doing this the whole time? Oh, Jesus. And it ends up not mattering because the Falaji soldiers and the other automatons just utterly outnumber and overrun the city. And Hercule is, is killed uh, in this. But uh, she she is responsible for kind of bringing magic to the continent of Tercier. Uh And also uh, she played a key part in figuring out how to activate the Silex, uh, which is you pour memories of the land into the bowl. Uh, so you got to dump a bunch of mana into it and cast a spell that goes boom. Uh, then there's the Gixians. Uh, Gix is the first Phyrexian Praetor. Uh, 5,000 years before all this, the Thran Civil War is happening. Uh, there's a bunch of people suffering from power stone sickness, essentially radiation poisoning. Uh, and they're all sick and mutated. And they get shoved into a place called the Caves of the Damned. Very nice locale, locale uh, beneath the floating city of Halcyon. Uh, these later becomes the Caves of Koilos. Uh, Yogmuth takes the people there and turns them into the first Phyrexians. Uh, and Gix, during this civil war, kind of becomes Yogmuth's right-hand man and the first praetor. Um, the Brothers' War is him returning... Uh, you know, it's been 5,000 years. The Phyrexian portal has been sealed and Urza and Mitra breaking the power stone into the might stone. And weak stone opens the portal um, and Gix first infiltrates Dominaria with a series of dreams, uh, which, you know, creates the brotherhood of Gix. And he eventually comes through the portal himself with the intent to corrupt everyone here, seize control of both machine armies and uh, do what Yogmuth had planned to do 5,000 years ago, which was conquer Dominaria and convert every living thing to a morally superior machine. Um, hey, Brian, are the Phyrexians good guys? Absolutely not. Boo, Phyrexia. Boo! Yeah, no. So th this is kind of where Phyrexia enters the main magic narrative. Um, Gix himself appears in the final battle, slaughters who knows how many people. Um, he eventually retreats back through the portal, uh, so he does not get Silex blasted with the rest of the Phyrexia. Shame. Darn shame. Ah, he gets his. In the years after the war, he begins the first uh, sleeper agent protocols, um, although the early sleeper agents are uncanny children that nobody trusts and thus kill immediately because they're very obviously bad, evil people. Um, so he f not only fails during the Brothers War, but fails to infiltrate Dominaria afterwards. Uh, and then the portal, as I said, gets sealed off for another 3000 years. Uh, he dies later because uh, Zancha and Ratape explode a portal with him, like, stuck in it. and uh, So he gets exploded. Um, he's a bad dude, but he, he's he's kind of a behind-the-scenes puppet master for most of the war until he reveals himself at the end. Um, 
his name is known, but no one really knows anything about him. Like Phyrex, nobody knows about Phyrexia at this point. So he's just kind of this weird name behind the scenes. Um, and then there's the Argothians. Uh, there are a bunch of uh, humans and elves and uh, pixies who live in harmony with nature. Uh, and they are led by Titania, who's the Maro sorcerer of Argoth. She is uh, of Dominaria the Maro sorcerer. Each forest has a Maro sorcerer, which is kind of the avatar of Gaia that exists on um, in that forest to speak for nature and enact Gaia's will. Uh, Titania is the Maro sorcerer of Argoth. Um, she tries to broker a peace between the brothers and send them back to the mainland. That doesn't work, uh, and so uh, she marches her forces to fight both armies and just gets annihilated. Uh, she gets killed in that in you know in this climactic battle. So not fair. Yeah, and then the island gets literally shattered into pieces by uh, the Silex and uh, is just wiped off the face of. I was about the about to say wiped off the face of the Earth, but it's wiped off the face of Dominaria because those are different planets. So there's uh, there's not a lot of like green mana affiliated characters in this story, except on Argoth right at the end of the war. Um, and Titania is kind of the nexus of that. Um, so that's all the major characters for the Brothers War. Um, I don't remember if every single one of these has a card in the set. I think the only ones we haven't seen are Felden and Drafn at this point, and Harbin. And Takasia? No, yeah, we haven't seen Takasia, sorry, I thought. I was getting com- Takasia confused with Tano's for a second. We know Ashton has a card in the set, but that hasn't been previewed yet. Um, oh yeah, because I guess the one that we've seen is the Commander deck version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we've got uh, five Urzas and five Mishras. Um, Wait, five? Oh crap! I didn't realize that. Yeah, so there's the there's the ten year old ones, the monocolor uncommon legends, uh, power stone prodigy, and um, excavation prodigy, and then there's like the twenty five year old ones, which is um, prince of Krug and Makfawa tamer or tamer of Makfawa, whatever Misha's card title is, uh, and then there's the front side of the meld cards which is at the end of the war in act three which is uh urza is i forget that card name and that's mishra claimed by gix uh and then there's the back sides of the meld cards which are uh urza planeswalker and uh the mishra fused dragon engine claimed by gix yeah claimed by gix is the front side of the meld and then they each have a uh, commander deck. So if you don't count the meld side, which is fair not okay, to, yeah. there's four. Okay. That, that's um, what I was missing. I was like, wait, what? Okay, so yeah, the back side does count. It should count. Yeah. So Ashnod and Tanos also have cards in the commander decks. and Yeah. And that, that's, that's the people. There's a couple more smaller characters, um, but they're not super important. Like, a lot, even a lot of the people mentioned in this episode are, like, kind of minor. Harbin is literally a minor for much of the story, because he's under 18. Haha. <laughs> I guess technically Urza and Misha were at the beginning, too, but eh. 
Anyways, that's Characters of the Brothers War. Uh, which means I guess it's time for final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is I got a tattoo last week. Ooh, I guess it's been like a week and a half when this episode will come out. Um, on the uh, inside of my left forearm, I have a quote from the end of Metroid Fusion. Uh, but in the end, the human soul will ever reach for the truth. Uh, and it's all done in the uh, game text font. All the pixels and stuff it was kind of a uh the uh tattoo and piercing plays by my paramour was having uh, a whole bunch of uh walk-in tattoo appointments uh last time i was there and so one of the mornings it was just like hey what if i went and got the tattoo that i've been thinking about for like three years uh and so i did and um, it's really neat and i'm very happy with it that's tattoo number one and it's not gonna be close to the last one i'm very excited to get more uh so that's the big exciting thing in my life. Brian, what are your final thoughts? My final thought is I can't wait for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and I want a Griever so bad, even because I feel like that is the perfect embodiment uh, of me. So, uh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I just I just love that we're like nine generations into Pokemon and they're still making fucked up ghost Pokemon <laughs> Pokedex entries. Yep. <laughs> like they're like, yeah, this is this is a really friendly puppy, but also it drains your life force when it's near you. And I'm just like, this is delightful. Yeah. And not uh, yeah, not no, only I, the, the Pokedex entry, like the video that they did to release it, just like oh, it yeah. really emphasizes that the Pokedex re- entry is real. It's like, oh, my God, because you know, there's been a lot of. Uh, rumors that sometimes the Pokedex aren't actually factual, but like, whew. Oh, it was great. Uh, I, God, we're less than a month uh, out from that, uh, from those games. Um, still haven't pre-ordered mine. I should do that. But also they have given us like almost no information about the version exclusive Pokemon. And so I'm just like, I'm waiting for leaks now to tell me that information because I don't think they're going to reveal much more before the games. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I love Pokemon, and uh, I think a lot of the Pokemon designs this generation have been inspired. Chef's kiss, good. Yeah, they are really good. I, I cannot wait for this game. The only thing uh-huh. that I'm sad about is that they didn't keep the stealth catch mechanics from Arceus. But other than that, the rest of the like the rest of the game's mechanics look really sweet. From what has been previewed so far, so super mm-hmm. excited for it. Yeah. Uh, and if uh, you folks out there are excited uh, about the new Pokemon games, too, and also, by the way, the Brothers War set, we're in the middle of previews and the set will be out soon. Uh, you can head over to Patreon.com slash the Vorthoscast. Gee whiz, what does that have to do with liking those things? Well, everyone who supports us on Patreon. I'm sorry, I try to keep a straight face when I do these segues because I have to do them almost every week. And so it gets very ridiculous and I make myself laugh all the time because they're silly. Um, Everyone who supports us on Patreon gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are reveling in the stories. There's been so much discussion. Uh, we're in the middle now of, uh, you know, halfway two, two out of four set Phyrexian arc to end this bigger narrative arc. And we're halfway through and people are very excited. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting a strike team together to attack new Phyrexia. We'll see how that goes in a couple months. Uh, people have all kinds of predictions. People are very excited. Uh, if you want a place where people are loving and talking about the things that you love and love to talk about uh our discord server is it uh this is the place to be uh 
any any tier donation uh, gets you on the Discord server. Uh, and we have a uh, bunch of wonderful people there and uh, also a bunch of wonderful listeners. Uh, just everyone who listens to the show uh, and tells their friends about it or is just like, hey, your show's great in their own heads. Uh, y'all are wonderful. So thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the Vorthos cast.